Hi, I'm Maria Thea Harris or Velosos on social media. Welcome back to So Over 50 podcast on So Organized Style. Stay listening. So Organized Style podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the elders past, present and emerging. Thanks for joining us again on So Over 50 podcast as we continue with this series featuring the men in the So Over 50 community. Valter V. Dub was one of the men So Over 50 featured this year to show there is a diversity in the So Over 50 community. Valter is an IT professional who loves to climb mountains and he has discovered the joys of making his own clothes. Thanks for being today's Sober 50 guest today, Valta. How are you? Oh, fine. Yeah, doing good. When I've looked at the sewing that you've done, you've got great attention to detail. Thank you, but I'm, I'm not really sure that I do because when I look at a professional tailor and how they do tailoring, I always feel that I'm falling way short of any type of standard. I like to try to be as perfect as I can, but I always feel like there's another couple of steps that I just cannot reach. And I've come to terms with that. (laughs) I'm okay with it now. Good. Although sometimes it stands in my way to enjoy it. I have things that when I jump into a certain project that is too high for my skill set or that requires too much continuous attention, that I get a burnout and either have to put it to the side or it takes me a very, very long time. <laughs> I can identify with that quite easily, yeah. What's your favourite hobby, making clothes or climbing mountains? I think they uh, are different hobbies in the sense that I couldn't enjoy life without either of those. Or And, and there's, there's other ones that I enjoy. I need a physical output to get rid of a whole bunch of energy that I have inside me. And, hey, I'm 57. I need to take care of my body or it's not going to keep me going for quite a while. So there's that aspect. But I also need to have quiet, creative time where I can fill my creative need. So create things by creating a garment, but also by creating a unique garment, something that nobody has ever tried before. So I need both. I can't say that one is better than the other, but I don't think I could do either one without the other. It's a great balance, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. If I don't do a lot of physical exercise, I won't be a happy camper. At the same time, if I do too much physical exercise and don't allow myself for these wind-down moments where I can be by myself and concentrate on creating something new or trying to figure out how to overcome this problem or how to gain this experience, then the other wouldn't be good either. I mean, a lot of the times when I'm hiking or going for a run, I will think about how to do something or what my next project could be on the sewing level. So, yeah, it's, it kind of goes hand in hand, I think. Yeah, it's a good time when you're doing something physical to walk away and then through that reflection, the solution might actually come to your mind by the time you get back again. 
Yeah, that happens quite a bit. Or I will think of a whole new project and then I'm, you know, <laughs> that's something else to look forward to. As you do. How did you develop your online name? So my last name is Van Wageningen, which is fine if you live in the Netherlands. But since I moved to the States, that was not really a good option. And my kids at school, everybody automatically called them the VW because that was the initials of the last name. And that became VW. And I kind of adopted that too. So yeah, it became Wouter VW. <laughs> so what made you start sewing? About eight years ago or so. I felt like I wanted to know what it would be like to wear a kilt. Not that I in any way pretend that I'm Scottish or have any of those influences, because as far as I can tell, my family is from the Netherlands and as far back as anybody wants to find out, we're from the Netherlands. But it just seemed like, oh, I've, you know, I wear shorts, I wear pants, I wear all sorts of things, but I've never worn a kilt. So what would that be like? And kilts being something that is rather expensive, just buying one just for the sake of experiencing it didn't seem like a good solution. So I did some online research and came to the conclusion that there were tons of not quite Scottish kilts that were cheaper, but still, you know, $200 or so and totally out of the realm of what was reasonable for just the experience. But I also came by a forum that is called X Marks the Scott. They had a description of how you could make a utility kilt, which is basically not quite a Scottish kilt, but it, it looks similar and it has pockets, which is a good thing. I read through that and I went like, wait a minute, I have this old sewing machine that my ex left me. I can try doing this. And I hadn't touched the sewing machine since I was a little kid and my grandmother showed me how to use a really old hand crank singer machine. And I felt, well, you know, I can just buy some fabric at the local fabric store and see how far I can get. And I found myself really enjoying the whole experience. At first, it made me think back of the good times that I had with my grandmother and with my aunt, who was a fabric artist, well, weaving and things like that. And then later on, I decided, well, if I made this kilt, I should have a shirt that kind of matches it as not just a button up, but more like last century type shirt. And I found a pattern for that. And again, it didn't look like it was way beyond anything that I could do. So I tried making that. And from that moment on, it was kind of like I was hooked. This was something that I could do, that I enjoyed doing. It was a heck of a lot better than sitting on the couch in front of the television. So <laughs> I, I kind of, yeah, from that moment on, it just kind of grew like, okay, let's try a real button-up shirt and then let's try a pair of pants. I discovered some online blogs by then so I could read up on other people's adventures, specifically Peter Lapin from Mail Pattern Boldness and the way he described how he was getting into sewing and his experience kind of like, oh, well, this kind of matches what I'm doing. And why couldn't I try to follow along with that? And then I decided, well, if I'm going to do this, why would I ever buy clothes again? Because this way I can make exactly what I want. And yeah, from there, 
when I came to that conclusion, it's like, okay, I'm not buying any more clothes anymore. I'm just going to keep making my own clothes. That's great. You started from making, you know, your first experience as an adult was the kilt. I mean, that's amazing. And to get to this point where you're making just your clothes, not buying, that's really impressive. Uh, I have two exceptions. I don't do underwear because I just don't get any satisfaction out of making them. And if you can buy five for 10 bucks, it's, you know, I can barely get the, the fabric for one for that price. There's no justification in it for me. And the same with socks. I knitted one pair of socks and that was good, but I'm not going to keep doing it. I may make some more, but yeah, not to the extent that I'm actually wearing them out. <laughs> I'll get to the fabric question in a minute. Can you tell us more about your art shirts? Oh, yeah. I'm not 100% sure how I actually started my first one. The first one was the big wave. And I've always been attracted to that painting and I don't really know why. I just, there's certain pieces of art that I really like and I'm no art connoisseur or anything like that. I just know I like this or I don't like this. And that was one of the things that I really liked. And at one point I decided, well, I like that piece of art so much. Could I incorporate that into a shirt? And I found out that there's actually uh, companies that will print fabric for you with your own design. And once I had that, it became a challenge to, would I be able to use that artwork and use a pattern that I already owned to scale it to the right scale, to make sure that there would be some continuity across the front and the back, And that challenge by itself was to me so interesting that I just had to see if I could make it into a complete shirt. Then, of course, you you go like, okay, what else can I do with this? So I made the collar to be waves instead of a normal collar. And once I was done with that, I felt that that would be my signature thing. So people have the thing that they like the most about something or what puts their mark on their work. And for me, it was creating art shirts. So there were some others that were just paintings that I incorporated into a shirt. And then I was visiting my mother in the Netherlands and went to the Rijksmuseum. And I've seen all the normal art there. So for this time, I went like, okay, go to all the places nobody ever goes to in the museum. And one of them was this small little room that had Yves Saint Laurent's Rietveld dress. And I looked at it and went like, that is really interesting. And then my silly brain went like, well, I think I can do that better with a shirt. And once that kind of thought sits in your brain, you just have to either just give up on life altogether or just try to figure out how you can actually get that into fruition. And that took me a very long time because I wanted the design to really give homage to Rietveld and just make that. And I think that in in a way, I did something that was really unique and 
in a way that I felt did homage to both uh, Rietveld and Mondrian. So, yeah, I'm happy with that. <laughs> and it's quite unique. So thanks for telling us about your art shirts. Now, if we go to the issue about fabric, so you're making clothes for yourself. Is there a challenge in finding fabric to suit you? Yes. I love to go to New York just for the sake of being able to go through the garment district and buy fabric. But New York is five hours flight away from me. So that's not something that I can do just whenever. And local fabric shops have become very rare. I mean, you have the the box shop uh, here that has your average quilting cotton and a little bit of other things but not really anything interesting when i just started there were two more specialized fabric stores for sewers both of those have disappeared the owner just went to do something else and one of them retired i believe so those don't exist anymore and i only have two small shops that have more interesting fabrics than the box shop has So yeah, that is a problem. And online is difficult. There's some really good resources that sell fabric online and that have interesting fabrics, but you can't touch it. You either have to get swatches first or you just have to take a a risk and see if it works out. And I have a bunch of big Tupperware buckets uh, full of stuff that just I have no idea what to do with it. So it is a bit of a hit and miss experience when you're buying online. Yeah, I I find it somewhat frustrating. Some merchants are good at describing what it is and you get a good feel for it. Or they'll use a video to drape it over a dress form, which gives you much more information than just seeing it in a picture. But again, those merchants are few and far between. I find it difficult I wish there was more out there. There's shops I could just walk into or, or drive to, they just don't exist anymore. That's right. You've said that a couple of them have actually closed down that were local to you. Yeah. I found that there's a large difference between different gradients of cotton, for instance. I mean, if I want to make a really nice dress shirt, I need some really, really nice cotton that has a high thread count that has a good feel to it, that has a nice drape. And the only way to get that is by just finding it in a high-end fabric store and touching it and making sure that that is exactly what you need. When you've ordered samples or swatches, what's that experience been like for you? Again, it's a bit of a hit and miss. It's a lot better than not getting the swatches to begin with. But I've had, well, I should rephrase that, with things like wovens, Most of the time, I can figure out what the fabric will do for me and whether or not it will work for a project reasonably well from a swatch. With knit or active wear fabric, it is really difficult. Recently, I started making things like bike shorts and yoga pant-like constructs, and that fabric is a lot more difficult to feel what it's going to do. Because if you get a small swatch, the amount of stretch is really difficult to figure out. And it sometimes doesn't give you a good indication of what it would feel like on your skin. 
And yeah, that's just something that is important, especially with activewear, that you, you can't get it without feeling the full fabric, I think. The other thing too is you don't want to have that, you know, when it's torn against your skin, you still want it to be opaque. You don't want it to be transparent. Yes. That's just not something that you want. Those kind of things are really difficult from a, judging it by just a swatch. And I can't fault any of the merchants for just giving small swatches because it just eats up their profit margin and they have a hard enough time to stay in business to begin with. That's right. So are there any patterns that you enjoy making the most? Well, I have a set of patterns now that work well for me. I have a dress shirt pattern that is really fitted and that started out as a McCall's pattern, I believe. It is nothing like what it was when I bought it because I always tweak them between makes. So right now that one is probably at a sort of a frozen place because it is exactly what I want it to be. And I have a more sporty button-up shirt that was from a little independent company. I love those people. Thread Theory? Yes. But again, the version that I make now for both my short sleeve and long sleeve relaxed fitting shirts is nothing like what this pattern started out with. I adjusted because for my shoulders and things like that. There's all sorts of adjustments in it that are made for my body. And the same with pants. I have one from Thread Theory that I use, but again, it's adapted to me. And I love those people. They try to make a good set of men's patterns, a wide variety, and they're just really nice people to work with. They go out of their way to make sure that you're a satisfied customer. And I really enjoy using their patterns and they're really well created and it's not like you get a little paper folder. It is really a hard paper thing that, that it folds open, that has a real book in it and those kinds. Of so, yeah, it, it's, it's much more quality than any of the, the big pattern shops. For jeans, I just went into a thrift store, tried on a whole bunch of jeans until I found the one that I liked, tore it apart, and turned it into a pattern and then tweaked it a little bit. And that's now my jeans pattern. So yeah, I hardly ever use commercial patterns because I'd like to tweak them. I like to make it exactly mine. Yeah, the only things that I use a real pattern for would be, and even then I adjust it somewhat, would be jackets and coats because I just don't have the, the volume to <laughs> make five before I find that, oh, this is the right one. Okay, that's good. Thanks for letting us know. And I develop patterns now for free sewing. Oh, do you? Free sewing is a, not anymore men's, but it used to be men's pattern made to measure online resource that's totally free. So that's freesewing.org? Yeah, I have five or six patterns that I've developed that are on there for anybody to make, and it's total free resource. That's great for the sewing community. That's why we do it. It's just you put in your measurements and you get a custom-made pattern. You don't have to say, this is my size. You just put in your measurements and 
a custom pattern is created for you. That's really good to know. Sorry, diversion. <laughs> no, no, that's a good diversion. Thank you. When it comes to sewing men's clothes, are there any particular sewing techniques people should develop? So this is to any listeners who are out there who are thinking of making men's clothes, what sewing techniques do you think they should develop? Try a whole bunch of different ways to make a fly. There's different ways that pattern designers tell you how to create a fly in a pair of pants. Some work better than others for certain people. And I found the one that I like best. So if I see somebody else's pattern or want to try somebody else's pattern, I'll just trace the whole pattern and then I'll add my own way of doing the fly. Because I know that if I do it that way, it always comes out exactly the way I, I like it. So, you know, I can make the rest of the pattern the way they intended it. But because I found this way that works for me, I just adjust every pattern to do that. Get really good at making weld pockets. Weld pockets are, it's not an art, it's, it's a skill. And it's a skill that is intimidating at first, but once you've made enough of them, it's not intimidating anymore. And it's like, oh, I'm now going to make a pocket instead of, oh my God, I have to make this back pocket that has to be a weld So you'll take some of the stress out of the sewing and make it much more enjoyable if you master that skill. And don't worry about the first bunch not being good. That is just part of the sewing. I have button-up shirts that you can tell they're not made by somebody who knows how to sew because they were the first attempts and I will still wear them. And if somebody makes a remark about them, I'll happily tell them why they have that weirdness to them and that I'm actually proud of them. Good. I'm sure that you don't get those sorts of comments anyway. Oh, I do. I do. Yeah, you do? There, yeah, there, there's some that are really, really bad. But like I said, I still will wear them. I enjoy wearing them because of the sentimental value they have for me. You know, the first time I rode a bike, after 10 meters or so, I fell. That was a good ride, right? So yeah, I, I cherish those as well. The other thing you want to learn is what are you good at and what are you not good at? as far as sewing is concerned. And then make sure that you take enough time to do the parts that you're not so good at so you don't feel stressed to do that part. And if you don't have the time, do something else instead. So if you only have you know, an hour and you know that you're not good at making weld pockets, then don't try a weld pocket go cut out that new pattern that you want to try next, right? And put that to the side after you're done. And then the next time you do have more time, you can make that well pocket. So I think that knowing what your abilities are and being able to give yourself the time to address those, that, that yeah, it's a, it's a really good skill to have. And it makes the whole process that more uh, enjoyable. Oh, and become really, really good with a seam ripper. We're all going to be making mistakes, and the only way to fix those is become one with your seam ripper. Yes. There are times when the seam ripper is an extension of my hand most of the time in a project, so I understand that advice. Yeah, and 
I don't really think that there's that much of a difference between sewing men's clothes or sewing women's clothes. I think it's probably easier because we have less curves to deal with. So I don't have to make all sorts of darts normally that you would have to do for making women's clothes. So from that point of view, it's probably easier. Although I've heard women that have never made certain colors and I find that to be not challenging at first and not challenging anymore. <laughs> and again, with colors, it's find a way that works for you. And there's tons of ways of how to do one. And some will click and some will not. So find what works and do that. When did you discover the Sour Over 50 community? Oh, I'm not quite sure. It was uh, I was on uh, Instagram for quite a while. And I, I think it was just because... Some of the people I followed made remarks about it or or liked their posts. So that's kind of how I how I became aware of it. And then sometimes I would think like, oh, I am over 50 and I'm okay with being over 50. And I don't mind that being recognized. So, <laughs> you know, it's not always the new generation who discovers new things. It is sometimes the older generation that can discover new things or, or has knowledge about techniques and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it, it kind of appealed to me to look at both sides of the equation. So see what new people can bring in, but also see what older people can bring to the table. I have the same with fashion. I will look at what current fashion designers make, but I also look at historical garments and see what I can use from those eras and how I can incorporate uh, ideas from there. Before we wrap it up, because you've given us lots of really good detail about your sewing, how you've learned to sew, the fact that you've actually got patterns on freesewing.org for people to go to and use, um, what advice would you give listeners who are thinking about following you to make their own clothes, specifically men's clothes, I think? I think that it's a lot more intimidating to think about doing it than it actually is to do it. If you enjoy sewing or you enjoy making things, then making your own clothes is very satisfying. I get compliments on what I wear a lot of the time and a lot more than I used to. And when somebody makes a compliment, I'll thank them. And then by myself, I think, yeah, and I did that. <laughs> it's something that I just enjoy. I don't need to tell other people that, oh, uh, yes, I do this. It's just, it's enjoyment that I'm getting out of it. And like I said in the beginning, I can make what I like. So I always find that a lot of the clothes are very boring especially for men's clothes. They're very uniform in shape and fabric choice. And I don't need that. I'm much more diverse than what fashion designers or warehouses want me to wear. None of my button-up shirts are uniform color. And if they are, they'll have some design incorporated into the sewing by either having an intricate front that has folds in it in a very special way or things like that. None of my jeans that I've made, and I've made probably 20 pairs or so, 
are blue jeans. None of them. They're either a different color, and I have a whole rainbow of colors of jeans, or they're striped, or they are leopard print, or whatever. And which is an issue with my daughters who think that it's embarrassing if I wear leopard print outside, but I don't really care. I'm much more able to express how I feel or the impression I want the world to get from me than I would ever be able to by not sewing my own clothes, by just going out and trying to buy you. It's so refreshing to hear that you sew because you want to wear what you want, how you feel. And what anyone else says doesn't really matter because you're making sure that you're looking after yourself through your sewing. Yeah, I feel like the world is a lot more interesting if there are interesting people in it. And it's more interesting if there's a lot of diversity in it. If we go back to the, to the beginning of the century and everybody wears the same black pants, the same white shirt, the bowler hat, and everybody is then has to fit into this little cubby hole that they, nobody really feels good in. And I'd rather just look at somebody who wears a dress while having a big beard, right? It is much more interesting to me to see people like that than the people who try to conform to whatever society thinks they should be conforming to. I just It took me a while to, to become at ease with that, but it's quite liberating to just let go of that yoke and, and just do what you feel is you. You've given us so much, really. You have. Yeah, other than, you know, if people want to ask questions, they are free to look me up, contact me. I'll happily try to help them along. And I benefited a lot from other people's experiences and having been able to ask them questions. So if people want to know what my view is on, on something they're struggling with, then I'm more than happy to, uh, to help them and make them become better sewers. Try sewing. It's not hard. <laughs> and it's not expensive of a hobby as hobbies go. Velta, thank you so much for sharing your joy of sewing with us on Sew Organized Style Podcast for Sew Over 50 today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. And thank you again. And have a lovely day, listeners. This episode of Sew Over 50 Podcast on Sew Organized Style was produced by me, Maria Theoharis, with permission of Valter, sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to Soul Organized Style Podcast, but with an S, not a Z, on all good podcast apps. Please give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to our podcasts. And why not support us on our Patreon page? If this is the first podcast you've listened to for Soul Over 50, make sure you go back and listen to the archive. It's a free archive and catch up on the series about men who sew. Post any questions or suggestions you have on our Instagram account at SewOrganizedStyle or on our website at www.seworganizedstyle.com. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>